Welcome to Always Another Game podcast, where we go deep inside the athlete's mind to share the highs and lows of sport, but most importantly, how they utilize it to be successful away from the game. Today, we have here Antonia Bates, a former gymnast uh, turned successful entrepreneur coming all the way from Dubai today, actually. Antonia, how's it going? Hi, going well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you much so much for your patience. Uh, as you may know, things come with technical difficulties and terrible timekeeping. Um, but yeah, I do really appreciate you being here. And also, um, you know, very interested to learn more about your story. Um, so um, yeah, well, before I kind of ask the main starting question, how come Dubai? Um, gosh, I mean, the weather, that's a bonus. That really helps <laughs> yeah. compared to the UK. So we came from the UK. Um, the southwest of England and yeah I think the weather and the opportunities I mean we can go into this I guess in the podcast but there was a big catalyst for change as to why we moved to Dubai um, but yeah maybe I can go over that during this conversation. <laughs> yeah definitely definitely so how I love to start the podcast is I kind of pass it all over to you and I ask for you to tell the audience who is Antonia Bates? Yeah, so I'm the co-founder of the Healthy Entrepreneur Club. It's a digital marketing agency based across the UK and UAE. And we work with purpose-driven founders and businesses to help them get the attention they deserve through storytelling marketing and also by building a movement around what they do. And so when we first came here to Dubai, we noticed that there was a huge issue that entrepreneurs were facing. They were burnt out or at the risk of burning out. And there was this common theme of like hustle hard, work hard, hustle hard, neglect your health um, and grow your business. And in actual fact, what we wanted to try and promote was that if you actually put your health first and fill up your own cup first, then you're in a better space mentally and physically for, for you, for your family, for your relationships and for your business. Um, and so this is why we've created the Healthy Entrepreneur Movement. Um, it's raising awareness that you can actually grow your business without sacrificing your health. Um, and again, like, like you mentioned, I grew up dedicating my life to gymnastics and having a very sporty family. So I feel very passionate about living a healthy and sustainable lifestyle. Yeah. Now, you weren't just a gymnast. OK, <laughs> so obviously, you're, you know, um, a little bit more of your backstory. You did represent England and you are surrounded by a company that maybe some of the audience do know. If you love to tell the audience a little bit more about that part of your story, because that is also fascinating, because I think that leads in fantastically well to, to what you do now. Yeah, of course. So I did gymnastics for England, yeah, and I worked my way up the ladder. So I started when I was about five years old um, and trained multiple hours, 40 hours a week eventually when I was nine, 10 years old, wow. trained 40 hours a week. Um, got into county squad. So I was in the southwest of England. We lived in Wiltshire. So I was in Wiltshire squad and then um, progressed to southwest squad. And then I competed in many national competitions. Um, and then I was uh, spotted to trial for England squad. And I remember finding out about that and getting really excited and my coach pulling me to the side and telling me, oh, by the way, you've got this opportunity to um, trial for England squad. And I remember like training for that and leading up to it. It was yeah, quite special, quite a special moment. And I also remember telling my parents as well, because um, they had sacrificed quite a lot for my career too. So it was a, a really nice celebration and a, re a reward in a way. Um, mm -hmm. 
And I was in England squad and the England team for quite a few years. Um, I want to say like four or five years. Um, and I competed in many international competitions, um, including in Malta, Belgium and in the UK. Um, and that was my goal. My, like, my ultimate dream from starting gymnastics was to compete for my country. And yeah. yeah, so I was and I still am friends with a lot of the girls who were in England squad with me. And a lot of them have gone or went to the 2012 and 2016 Olympic Games. Um, when I retired from gymnastics, they moved up to GB squad and then obviously into the Olympics. Um, and what's actually really nice is when we moved to Dubai, I realized that one of my friends from England squad is living in Dubai. And so I got back in touch with her and oh, we're wow. now really good friends again. Um, oh, nice. so it's, really, it's a really nice relationship that you have. And I do think that the strongest relationships, but well, for me, certainly the strongest relationships are the ones within sport because you go through so much together. You kind of, you understand what each other are going through. Um, yeah. So that is a brief background. <laughs> no, it's, it's fascinating. And, and I'm smiling all the way through because I saw lots of similarities there. I also started at five. Um, for me, it was southeast of England. Mm. A few people did question where we were located, but we, we didn't have um, a huge amount of clubs. We came under southeast. And then also the stepping stone for us was was England and GB. So there's a lot of similarities there from the ice hockey junior setup to to gymnastics. And, you know, I remember those days of um, did you get a letter? Were you waiting for a letter to see if you've made the team as well? Yes. Um, yes. So, yeah, my coach got the letter and then that's when she pulled me to the side and was like, right, let's open this together. And oh, my <laughs> gosh, the nerves. I can feel the emotion now. It was, yeah, incredibly special. Yeah. One big driving force actually with me with those letters is um, one time I think I didn't make it. Um, mm. And with without anything on my own back, I put up the, the letter on my door as a driving force. Um, and I always kind of utilize that in sport. So I do remember the power of receiving the, whether it was the rejection or the, you know, the approval via letter. I don't know. They might do it differently now with emails, but yeah, that yeah. was always, um, always a fun time growing up. Yeah, I can completely relate to that rejection side of things. So before England squad, I was um, selected to trial for GB squad. Um, mm -hmm. And it, we had to go all the way to um, up north, up north somewhere. <laughs> and <Yep>. there was, <laughs> um, <laughs> there was a, um, a whole day's worth of trial. So we had to do each apparatus along with different types of like body conditioning as well. Um, and there was about, I want to say like 40 of us, 40 gymnasts, all my age. Um, yeah. And we had to, yeah, do like we were judged one-on-one. -on -one, um, and we, they took, a bit, long story short, they took six gymnasts and I came seventh. And I remember feeling so heartbroken. And mm. that was, I think that was another like pivotal moment within my gym career. Um, then I came back and I could have easily just given up, but I came back to training. I was like, no, I know I want to compete for my country. I'm going to do it. Um, and just, I guess, the powering through the determination, stay motivated. And then eventually I was selected for England squad, which is I'm so yeah. proud of. Yeah, sure. no, that is fantastic. What do you think that driving force was then? Because there are a number of people that would have got to that point and gone, nah, very close, pat on the back. Mm -hmm. But I think that's me. What do you think that was for you that turned that into a driving force rather than a quit? I think for me, I was so passionate about the sport, about the sport, and I knew my potential. I knew that I was made for more. 
Um, so for me, it was just that passion and that drive, but also seeing the support that I had around me. The, my family were incredibly supportive and they sacrificed quite a lot. I mean, I also sacrificed quite a lot as well, not seeing friends and, um, yeah, not seeing friends after school, not going to school disco. Like, it, I had to sacrifice so much myself. And yeah. for me, it it had to have meant something in a way. So yeah. I think that, that drive, that passion and knowing that I'd sacrificed quite a lot was something that made me push even further to get yeah. to where I got to. Yeah, I love the saying you actually use that. Just wrote it down. Made for more. You knew yeah. there was something bigger, something better. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to use that saying. I think at some point, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what what was it about the the five year old Antonia that that wanted to do gymnast uh, gymnastics? Where did that come from? It came from my sister. So my older sister did gymnastics too, um, and she. I remember watching her at competitions and. I was always sat with my family on the sidelines pretending that it was me competing like when they'd have floor music on I would make up my own floor routines and it would be absolutely awful but I would make make <laughs> everything up and pretend that I was doing the skills that she was doing and I just nice. felt so inspired by her I loved it and every time she'd come back home she she was also a gymnastics coach as well so she would help teach me like little movements and things um and then my mum and dad were like let's just try and put you into um into gymnastics and see see where you go but uh yeah she was definitely a big inspiration for me and um yeah and then my coach realized that I had potential within the sport uh, my parents realized I had potential and then it kind of just went from there the training went a little got a little bit more serious um hours increased and yeah my parents were always very supportive I mean I had experienced within my um within my groups growing up that as the hours increased, the parents got a lot more pushy. And my mum mm -hmm. and dad were very opposite. They 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 wanted me to do well, but they didn't want to push me because they realized they yeah. knew that it had to be coming from myself. It had to be coming from my passion and it had to be me that wanted to get to where I'm getting to rather than yeah. them. It's my dream, not their dream. Um, yeah, yeah. And so they were like, if you want to quit, like if I had a bad day, for example, I'd come home crying in the car saying, oh, this is rubbish. I want to quit. And they'd say, well, yeah, you can quit, but not today. If you want to quit, have another good okay. session, then ask me, then you can quit. And yeah. I, every, yeah. every single time I'd come back after a good gym session and um, obviously not want to quit. <laughs> it was rather yeah. than me acting on emotion, it was um, just acting in a better headspace. Yeah, I love that. And, and I've had a number of conversations already. And there is certainly a huge theme of parenting and influential coaches that have driven that. But the thing I found most fascinating about the parenting side of it with everyone I've spoken to so far, is they've all had that similar approach to yours. It's been very mm -hmm. much like, it is on you. And it is. You've yeah. all, you showed a passion from a, a young age. And as you started getting into it, there was a purpose formed with your England and, and making selection. But that had to be you, because if that was forced upon you, it may never have happened. Yeah, And I exactly. think a lot of parents do re need to realize that is that, you, again, you beautifully put it, it was your dream, not theirs. And we have to mm. remember that it has to be on the individual that if they have a drive for it, then yes, encourage it. If they don't, there has to be an element of push. But there's that fine line, isn't it? It sounded like your parents found mm. that fine line for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, talking about like that element of push, like if you, the coaches, if they saw that you had potential, 
they would obviously want to push you so that you can reach your full potential. And interesting that we say that because I actually had a um, FaceTime conversation with my friend the other day who is a gymnastics coach. Um, and she was saying how nowadays the British gymnastics regulations have are a lot stricter than what they used to be just because things get mm -hmm. twisted. Kids and parents, they get so involved and twisted. And obviously there's been a lot of like with the whole Me Too movement um, mm -hmm. and so much rubbish going on within the sport. But um, it's it's very difficult now for them to push a child. They can see a child's got potential, but they're struggling to push them to reach their full potential because there's yeah. only so much that they can do. So it's finding that balance as a coach as well. Yeah, but then I do think there, that's when the parent becomes even stronger. Yeah. Um, and it, it's so it's so hard. My I, I've got young kids and my eldest is doing very well in sport, but he's still very, very young, finding his feet. And it's so hard not to kind of shout from the sideline and and let the coaches do it. But what I do know is obviously I have these these this sporting background and performance background that if he wanted me to assist him, I can do away from it. But but like you said, it is very difficult. Sport has has changed, which brings yeah. me on to something I, I, that I really wanted to cover with you, because when I was a kid, um and and to the point now gymnastics has massively evolved it mm. was a very it was a very and when i say female dominated sports as we called it it was a very girly sport you did not see many males did and if you did you didn't know about it for mm. reasons such as as bullying um and you know in things like kind of you know body image as well obviously gymnastics had been known to wear tight outfits how did you find that growing up in the sport of gymnastics when maybe it wasn't necessarily as big as it is now yeah so i mean bullying and body image was like a massive thing even for me back then so um there's within like the gymnasts themselves you'd have a group of the majority were all incredibly supportive of each other there was no bullying there's you want to see your teammates do well i mean you're a team it's an individual sport but ultimately you're training together and you need each other you need to mm -hmm. be supporting each other um, then you also had some people who were probably jealous or bitter, you doing well. So I think that's just a, like a human trait. It's not necessarily like within the gymnastics world um, solely. But um, in my experience also, I have witnessed coaches bullying gymnasts. I mean, like we kind of touched upon before, um, mm. there's that fine line of pushing a gymnast to do well and verbal or even physical abuse i've never experienced the physical wow. abuse but i've seen the verbal mm. abuse around the uk mm. um, and there's a ton of articles about this as well and loads of people start, um, speaking up about it but mm -hmm. um yeah i think that i think that's why the whole regulation the regulations now are a lot stricter and it's it's needed it's clearly needed um and then as for body image for me, when I was 10 years old, we started getting weighed and measured every two weeks. And obviously when you're wow. 10 years old, you're growing <laughs> and it's so difficult for you to control that weight, but also, well, it's not really difficult to control that weight because obviously you're training loads, but it's, I don't know, it, it kind of, it does damage you as you grow up because you think of, oh, if I'm going to put on weight in two weeks time, I'm going to get punished because that's exactly mm. what happened in two weeks. Yeah. If we put on a little bit of weight, my coach would um, give us conditioning to do, like three rope climbs without your legs all the way up and down, three in a row. And people would be like, oh, why is she climbing the rope? Oh, because she put on weight. In the space of two weeks yes. as a 10 year old, when you're training 40 hours a week, it's absolutely crazy. But then you've also got to think, 
you do need to be, I guess, in a certain physique and a certain weight in order to compete at that level. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's finding that balance, that borderline of bullying, but also uh, fulfilling your full potential. Um, I remember one day I was taken out of school and I was late to join um, my training session because my dad and I, we went to see Sebco in Trafalgar Square. Um, And he, what we were doing was we were bidding for the 2012 London Olympics to to get the gymnasts to come and train at our gym before the competition, before the Olympics. And we were spending the day with Sebco and it was, it was amazing. And then afterwards we went to Paddington station to get back to uh, Bristol. And Mm -hmm. my dad was like, as a treat, and also you need to eat because you've got training right now. Let's go to McDonald's. And that was a huge yep. thing for me. Um, yep. It was a massive treat. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like I can't remember the last time I had McDonald's. <laughs> and I remember having it and having it on the train with him. Um, and I remember getting back to my um, club and it was way day. I didn't realize it was way day, but my coach sprung on me. It was going to be way day. And I remember telling my friend that... Um, I've just had a McDonald's and I'm really nervous. And then my coach found out about that, that I had McDonald's because she heard me. Um, and yeah, obviously I'd put on weight just because I literally just eaten. And then yeah. I had my rope times to do. So it was, um, that for me is a huge thing. And I don't know how you can regulate that. I guess you don't, you shouldn't really weigh a 10 year old in my opinion. Um, yeah. Yeah. It is. And and you, as we've both said, sport has evolved. You know, I remember I, even as an adult, I played for one team where he weighed us and we trained in the morning. So I would avoid eating. As soon as it was about to come to my term, I would go to the toilet. Mm, yeah, whichever, that's whichever, what we did whichever, as well. It's actually what yeah, we did as well. It, <laughs> and it made complete irrelevance. OK, you know, at the time, I now know I look back and, and I had higher body fat levels in certain seasons. Um because you know because of stuff that i didn't know them that i do now yeah it didn't mm. you know it didn't affect my performance at the weekend whether i weighed heavier or not you know because by week by week it wasn't going to change um but yet that relationship sticks right that that mm. fear of weighing or you know having somebody guide you or may even mention it so how do you feel you handled that not only at that age but when you finished gymnastics did you find an easy shift away from the scales or do you feel like there was still that hold I I um I struggled quite a lot. I was never really open about it, never really spoke about it, but I struggled but managed internally. Um a lot of my friends struggled and were very open about it and struggled way worse than me, but for me a lot of it was in my mind and um after gymnastics, my mum encouraged me to do another sport because if you're training 40 hours a week to nothing, and then you're like turning 16, 17, 18, you're going to start going out with your mates, drinking alcohol, whatever. You're, um, yeah. <laughs> my mum just encouraged me to just move my body, find another sport that I liked or a hobby, just something like that. And so I ended up doing dance one or two days a week. And yeah. I did put on weight after gymnastics just because it wasn't the same intensity, but I enjoyed it and I made new friends and it was good for me to move my body and things. Um, but yeah, I definitely did see like a change in my um in my body image in my um physique and i think that was quite difficult for me to handle um but yeah it's it was tough but for me a lot of it is controlling it in my head and then knowing that i i have full control of my body now and now 
I we do my partner and I we do CrossFit five or six times a week, okay. and yeah. um, we're like we live a very healthy and sustainable lifestyle now. It's not OTT. I have a lot of friends and family who are very very much into the gym, which is absolutely fine. It's what they love, but for us, that's not sustainable, and it puts a lot of pressure on, and it creates an unhealthy relationship with food, with exercise, with jumping on the scales and things. But so for me and my partner, we want to live a very sustainable lifestyle without that pressure or the guilt or seeing social media mm -hmm. and the perfect bikini bodies and that's just not who we are because i've experienced yeah. that toxic relationship with it all before in the past so yeah. um it's been a massive mindset shift but i think having the right support around me has really helped yeah and it does it takes time it really does yeah. you know we forget kids are very impressionable at a young age but not only that we forget how long we hear this stuff you know, mm -hmm. it, it's years of, of repetition yeah. of, of weight and, you know, and again, pun it being punished and climbing up ropes. I had um, one coach, it wasn't weight, but it was punishment. We used to have to put our hand on the ice and then he'd put his stick in between our fingers. And like, wow. like then we used, used to laugh about it. Now you just think, geez, that's mad. Like that we were made to yeah. do stuff like that. Um, oh, yeah, no, that's actually Sorry, no, it's something similar with um, us. Like we would have to, they would stretch us, like full on stretch you. So like actually sit on you and like your knees would fully bend, like so many different stretches. Like you'd have your feet, your heels up on a block, probably like this high, um, straight legs in front of you. And they'd physically sit on your knees to train your legs to stay straight. But I, come to think of it, I've never really thought about that until this conversation right now. But how is I don't think that will actually straighten your legs just by sitting yeah. on it for one minute. I just think it's <laughs> crazy. But um, it there's is. so many other things like the actual stretching, like stretching your own splits, and they'd get two fully grown women holding one leg, the other one holding the other leg, and you're there just like in pain, and you have to count to thirty or count to sixty because you have to because you have to yeah. get keep your flexibility up, and um, yeah. yeah, it's it's quite full on. <laughs> It, it is very full on and uh, you know you hope you think times are, are changing a little bit within the sport but it, you know it, yeah. it does it's not all bad and this is why with the podcast I wanted to share the highs and lows from because with the lows it, it does build you know, it does build resilience and, and mental toughness yeah. but it you know it, like I said it is a it is a fine balance and then many athletes after they finish do have to do a lot of work but whilst we're on the topic of challenging challenging times you know as as a child you know you you had to go through the, the bullying element the body image element but also you said right at the start of the show you know 40 hours of training and I believe you also missed school a little bit as well yeah did you find that had any effect with missing days off or you know friends seeing you have days off but they didn't get did you have anything like that you had to deal with yeah so i remember every tuesday i would be training seven and a half hours a day from the age of 10. it started in primary school wow. and so i'd come out one o'clock until half past eight with a half an hour break in between and again in this half an hour break my coach would come up and check our lunch boxes to see if it was right um and if there was any rubbish in there then it would go in the bin um and so yeah going back to school for me i mean primary school was fine secondary school i was in my first year of secondary school in year seven and i remember i had to i had to move forms just because there was some issues with i guess jealousy within my class 
um, yeah. with me moving uh, or coming out of school. And then eventually I had to do like one less GCSE when I got older, when I was older. So in year, when is it? Nine, 10, year 10. Um, one less yeah, GCSE yeah. because, yeah. And so then I had to have a free to fill up the rest of the time in order for me to catch up on other work. Um, I did have a mentor. My school were really good. It was a sports college as well. So it was really helpful. Okay. I did have a mentor. Yeah. Um, and I could just contact and speak to whenever I wanted. But I think when you're 11 years old, 11, 12, 13 years old, there is going to be a sense of jealousy with of this one girl who um, who is taken out of school and gets like special treatment. Um, mm -hmm. I remember my partner, he also went to the same school as me. And he actually said, we had this conversation a few weeks ago. And he was like, yeah, you were a bit of an anomaly within the, within the year. <laughs> Because yeah. I was the gymnast and there was a picture yeah. of a blown up canvas picture of me upside down in the canteen that my dad now okay. has in his um in his uh, living room. <laughs> but oh, nice. it's um yeah, it's I think it can be quite difficult to deal with uh kids and kind of at that age, um mm -hmm. and dealing with opinions and bullying for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and if we're taking kind of like the low and the high from that, the low element is that what I've learned a lot is a lot of society is what we call crabs in a bucket. And it's the if I can't have it, neither can you vibe. Not everybody, mm. obviously, but especially, you know, in school then. And, you know, I was to say my school was also great. My brother and I, we would often have time out because tournaments were in Finland or France yeah. or Germany. So obviously it was different term times and stuff. And maybe because it was ice hockey, I didn't get too bad of treatment because obviously maybe there was a physical element that people were mindful of, but there was, you know, there was still comments and people, you know, you can still, you know, sense the, 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 the jealousy because, you know, you, you did as a, as a, as an athlete, there was a little yeah. bit extra special treatment yet your school allowed you then to still, you know, support you with your learning so that you yeah. could do both and and yeah. that should be admired as well because going on to the positive of it look what you do now mm. you're thriving you're living in dubai you have your own business <laughs> even yeah. though you miss school and this is the big part for me is i think school and education is very important i really do but i also think living a life and having life experiences is also very important and to find a balance um yeah. is is essential for the people that need that balance and your school allowed you to do that yes it came with difficult times but look where you are now it's almost kind of you know yeah. look who's laughing now type of thing so yeah. it's fantastic that you you know you were you were able to do that um now with gym gymnast and everything you went through there's the element of resilience mm -hmm. you know discipline confidence yeah you had an incident that I think you, you kind of said that everybody, you know, a lot of people know about in one of your events. If you can tell everybody what happened um, in that event of yours. Mm, so one of my, it was my first international competition. And with, when you warm up, you warm up on each apparatus and then you go and you get changed into your competition litard. And then you do, you literally have like one touch and then you have to compete. And by one touch, that means you literally have one touch on the apparatus. So, for example, I was on vault at this point, already done my all around warm up, um, changed into my competition leotard. Then I had one go before I was about to walk back and actually compete on that round. 
and it, on that one go, I um, I ran up to the vault, hands on the vault, and my hand slipped completely, and I just landed on my neck on the floor. And there's this horrible picture. My dad actually came around and took the picture. <laughs> um, no. He was still in that spectator area. He obviously couldn't come onto the floor, but um, I just remember thinking, oh, my God, like I've got the rest of the England team back there relying on me. I've got my family and friends who have just come all the way from England and watch it was in Belgium. And I'm here and I'm really, really scared. I'm not hurt, but I just remember lying down thinking, oh my God, okay, I need to get up and I need to just, I don't know, like be be somebody else for a second. Like just take, get my mind out of my body and just go back and just do it again. Like I've done a million and one times in training. That was just a one-off. And mm -hmm. I was absolutely fine. Didn't hurt myself. Got up, walked back and ended up doing the vault. And it was absolutely fine afterwards. And that was the competition vault. But um, yeah, there was another incident in training. And it was after that international competition. And I was on bars. It's the asymmetric bars. And um, I was on the high bar and I was doing giants, which is doing handstand. You're just going all the way around. Um, mm -hmm. And then I ended up one hand coming off and I landed on the metal frame and then onto the floor and I landed on my elbow and I've it's still damaged now so I've damaged the wow. ulnar nerve which is your funny bone like the funny mm -hmm. funny bone nerve it's not funny elbow. is it, it it's not funny, funny at all <laughs> at all <laughs> it's seriously not funny um but yeah so it's for me, then I had, I knew that I had like a recovery to go through it. and then going back to do that skill for me, that was, again, it, it's a lot of mind games within sport, especially high performance mm -hmm. sport. You've just really got to trick yourself and know that just because you had that one failure, failure or that one fall doesn't actually mean that you're crap at that skill. Like that was just a one off. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you need to remember that you've done it so many times before that nobody's perfect you can do the skill you know exactly what to do it's just getting in your head or getting out of your head in a way to actually do the skill again so like there's so many times where you fall and you have to get up and you have to do it again but you're just overwhelmed with nerves and scarcity that what if it happens again but then if you said yeah. that then you'd never get anywhere if you if you just had that mindset all the time that oh what if it happened again oh it's safer to not do it again then you'll never get and that's the same within yeah. entrepreneurship as well. Yeah. Now, do correct me if I'm wrong. Um, within gymnastics, I I love watching it at the Olympics. So every time you're talking about an injury, I can just you can see somebody fall in, like it happens. But yeah, um, you compete for yourself and you compete for the team as well, right? So like you you know your points count towards your own individual moving on in the rounds and the team as well. Is that right? It depends if you have. It depends. Some competitions, well, most of them are individual. Some are teams. So, like within the okay. within the Olympics, you do have an individual score, but then you do yeah. also like, those points do add up to the teams. But then okay. some competitions that I did, like it would just some of them would just be individual. So yeah. it can be either or. Yeah, and that's the that's the bit there because you said you had other people relying on you. So when you'd had this fall, this shock fall, you had all eyes on. Yeah. You had your team and your coaches wanting to know that you're okay, but also maybe in the back of their mind, wanting to know that you were going to be able to compete to, to support the team. Mm -hmm. You know, what? it was a very short period of time that all of this happened. What was it that kind of just, 
you that you'd think that just got you up and back on again was it just purely the reps that you'd done and, and stuff that had happened before I think yeah reps and just adrenaline I guess for me yeah. um if if I'd fallen I would do a lot of visualizing so I know that I had to walk back but in my head I would close my eyes and like visualize me doing that skill properly or doing the skill okay. perfectly um yeah. and so yeah it's I remember walking back and I just in my head just closed my eyes back I'm nailing that skill I'm doing it I'm doing it perfectly and then then obviously I did it and also like before we, we, we even did like visualization before competitions I remember like lying in bed the night before going through my routines closing my eyes and doing the skills perfectly because I think that's what distinguishes a gymnast from an elite gymnast is getting those reps in because there's only a certain amount of hours that you can have physically in a training session and then to just increase those reps you add in visualization um mm -hmm. and that just helps with the confidence and helps with for me it just it, it helped with confidence and mindset yeah who taught you that um funnily enough my sister she was she did sports psychology at university so she yeah. inspired me to do gymnastics and then helped me quite a lot throughout yeah, I love that. Yeah, visualization is yeah, it's one that got when I played got brought up and and I tried it very briefly, but then when all the other older players in the team were just mocking it, it was just very easy to to push aside, yeah. but it's quite interesting. We as humans, we we think in pictures. You know, so if we're thinking of our bed right now, we don't think BED, we think about our pillows, our blanket, the yeah. warmth, you know, we we visualize the the actual physical bed. So for you yeah. to then actually visualize, um, and I think it's still an underrated tool in sport. I mm. think sport is massively psycholo um, psychological, huge psychological. Um, and you talk about falling and getting back up. How many players don't really ever come back after an injury or never the, never the same again? Because mm. it's very difficult. There's a fear factor, right? Well, what if I do this again? What if it gets worse? What if I never walk again? Yeah. Is this all yeah. worth it? It's very easy to go to that protective negative side, but not necessarily like, come on, <laughs> that was just a little fall. Let's go. Um, yeah. So yeah. There, there's that's massive. But you did you did start to speak about that about going into business. Now, obviously, you don't do gymnastics anymore. We can kind of tell from your talking it's been past tense. So, what was the reason um, that you retired and moved into what you do now? So yeah, I quit gymnastics when I was about fifteen, sixteen. Um, so quite young then yeah yeah and it was a lot of it was because I had reached my goal and my goal was to compete for my country and I'd reached that and then I just started to get injury after injury and then um and a lot of it was like ongoing injuries like I mentioned like I've still got those injuries now um yeah. and then a alongside that I had exams so I had like GCSEs A levels and for me it was there was no point just continuing and plateauing. I loved the sport, so I ended up coaching it. So I still had my foot mm -hmm. within the sport, but yeah. there was just no point harming my body to um, continue for the sake of it. So, yeah. yeah, so that's kind of what happened. And I, from there, have lived a very healthy, active lifestyle. Um, some years more than others. So straight after gymnastics, I loved the freedom. So like I mentioned earlier, like I danced one or two days a week and I just absolutely loved the freedom and being able to say yes to see friends and things. Um, and then ended up going back into the gym as in like a workout gym, doing more yeah. gymming after school and like during university and things. Um, 
yeah so just yeah li living a very healthy and sustainable lifestyle that's really stemmed from my gymnastics career but done in a very healthy yeah. way not yeah. in that kind of toxic environmental way yeah what was the shift there because I guess it's very easy for you to carry on like you know you could have gone like two ways of like completely giving up and yeah. you know and, and kind of almost like letting go like you do see a lot of athletes do how you get the athletes that 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 is their life and they just obsess and they carry on in the same way whereas you've found that middle ground so mm -hmm. what was the difference there for you that you were able to let go of the, the negative and create this kind of this positive kind of holistic lifestyle you have now um I don't I guess I, I have a very healthy family in the way that I can see my other siblings living a normal but healthy and sporty childhood so I knew that I could be mm -hmm. doing the same my mum's also a physio and so she okay. was also was quite handy having her as a physio so um, <laughs> yeah, I bet <laughs> yeah she yeah she'd bring home like the machine an ultrasound machine and all the tape and whatnot and oh, yeah geez, after yeah. every session but um yeah it's I think having her opinion having my sister's sports psychology opinion having like seeing my other siblings who were into like martial arts and football um just seeing them being able to be a child and grow up with their friends um and I knew I was ready for that I was knew I, was, I knew I was ready to enjoy time with friends now and get out of that gymnastics bubble I, it just it wasn't really like a phase or anything it was, it was just like I know now I've competed for my country my body's in bits I need to recover um and be yeah. a 15 16 year old yeah yeah that's it's so interesting that point of retirement because we're all different and I retired mid off season I still I kind of knew that I was going to or I wanted to but I couldn't come to terms with it but when mm. I did it was such a release knowing that I'd done it and I knew I needed to do it, but something that had held me for, for decades of playing, that's it's not all I knew, but it was a big, huge part of my life. And that moment, you can't really explain it. Can you, that moment where you just say, yeah, yeah today's yeah. the day. And, and it is, it is freeing. And I loved ice yeah. hockey. I'm sure you love gymnastics, but there is a freeing element from being Absolutely. able to not stress as much. You're still looking after yourself, but not have to be certain places, certain times. And, you know, having abuse shouted at you or stuff like that. It, it is freeing. How did you, that, do you remember that day? I, I really remember it. And I remember telling my coach about it because we had to have a meeting. We wanted to have a proper chat with her, sit down, chat with her about it, not just send her a text and say, oh, by the way, I'm quitting. Um, yeah. And I, I remember feeling so nervous, but deep down knowing it was the right thing to do because it was my life. It was literally, I did gymnastics more than I went to school or did anything else. Like it was literally yeah. my whole life. Um, and so I just remember, I did I did kind of think like a part of me kind of felt what, what, what else is there to do? Like what, I'm only good at gymnastics. I need to find something else mm -hmm. that I'm good at. Like I didn't really have a favorite subject yeah. at school or like yeah. that was my life. And so I kind of needed to tell myself that there's so much more out there there's so many other opportunities that I can do and I can learn from the many years of doing gymnastics and take aspects of that into my life growing up and my life today. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do I do remember feeling kind of like at peace with it and content mm -hmm. knowing that that's that chapter. I'm extremely, extremely happy with what's happened and the outcome of that chapter. Now it's time for me, for me to move on. Um, yeah. Yeah. As, yeah, I remember feeling very, very much at peace. Yeah. 
yeah amazing yeah. so where how has that taken you from retiring to to what you do now with this i said i love i love the element of it you know you're working with entrepreneurs um <laughs> it's a very difficult thing to be um i i've done it for 13 years now it's an absolute roller coaster every single day but the bit that that i love the most is that you do it in a way that it's it's healthy you find that yeah. balance for them that they can thrive in all areas so where did that transition come from? How come it took you to, to what you're doing now? So during gymnastics, I knew the power of your environment. And so my, this is going to sound very off track, but I promise you it is related. So <laughs> my mum is Danish. So I'm half Danish and I grew up in a very Scandinavian household. And I don't know if you know, like Scandinavian interior design is very calming, very, um, mm -hmm. the word is huggly, hugger. Mm -hmm. um okay. it's very like relaxing also you have like an office space which is productive it's all, it all promotes aesthetic and function good functional furniture and layouts um mm -hmm. and so for me that had a huge impact on my gymnastics career so your physical surroundings but also like the supportive people the social side around around me yeah. and yeah. i recognize the power that the environment had your environment dictates your performance it dictates your well-being your focus your productivity your relaxation your rest absolutely everything and then our first business was in property development back in the UK and here we could experiment with the environment experiment and tweak different things to see how it can affect our lives affect our well-being affect our concentration etc um, and then this kind of led to us coming to Dubai to work with entrepreneurs on their office spaces. So we ended up looking, um, okay. I, I certainly ended up looking at entrepreneurs or business owners office spaces to make them more productive, focused, workplace wellbeing, all that jazz. Um, my partner is a 50, 100 uh, business coach. And so he worked with, he's worked with so many um, high-end companies in the UK and he's kind of brought that over here to Dubai and has worked with many uh, businesses here. And we ended up noticing a huge, um a huge correlation between all of these business owners and how they're living a very hustle 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 lifestyle uh risking yep. burning out uh neglecting their health their health is just pushed down on the priority list and their business is i mean it's important that your business grows but if you don't fill up your own cup then you've got nothing to pour into your business and so yeah. for us i kind of noticed the similarities between looking after my health and pouring that into gymnastics and it like for me i was replacing gymnastics with like now replacing gymnastics with my business so i need to okay. fill up my cup and pour it into the business and that's kind yeah. of how we're helping other people as well so it's more of like a movement in uh helping entrepreneurs or raise awareness that they can look after themselves they can control their stress they can create that perfect healthy hustle week which is kind of like your perfect repeatable week cut out all the fluff that doesn't serve you that doesn't make you happy healthy or money and really yeah. focus on the stuff that actually does make you healthy does make you happy does serve your business well um that's kind of the awareness that we want to raise within the healthy entrepreneur movement but um actually we're like a full-on growth marketing agency um yeah so it's is the growth marketing agency and the movement that is helping entrepreneurs and using aspects from my, my gymnastics background to kind of help deal with that stress and high pressure yeah yeah i i love i love the word fluff and fluffy that was my first business coach she, she used to keep saying no that's fluffy that's fluffy that's mm -hmm. fluffy and just eliminate all of and it, and it is it's so easy to get caught up in stuff that doesn't matter 
but you know we yeah. make it matter because maybe we don't see it and having that extra eyes on um so you did say there at the end you know you took took away from what you learned in gymnastics and you you implement it into the business and, and supporting these entrepreneurs what are the what are the key what you know one two three anything that you see quite often that you have to double down on with these entrepreneurs um any skills or anything that you implemented what what is it that you normally see with them a huge one is setting boundaries so a lot of entrepreneurs say yes to everything right and then they wonder why they're feeling so stressed because they're just trying to people please they're trying to please everybody around them say yes to everything and so you need to protect your time this is something that we've definitely learned over the years as well like protecting your time saying no to certain things like learn to say no protect your boundaries nail your time management nail your calendar um and like that's kind of like we've got we've got a newsletter called the healthy hustle and we kind of promote having a healthy hustle week so mm -hmm. that is something that is definitely a lesson but also like auditing your current week so you don't even realize like a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize how much they're spending on certain certain aspects within the business or certain aspects within their life. And so mm -hmm. we regularly do this, my partner and I, we audit our personal life and our professional life, and we just cut out the bits that aren't serving us. So I think for me, they're yeah. the main things, just setting boundaries and knowing what you're spending time on, because your time is incredibly valuable. Um, yeah. I love the element of healthy hustle because we do need hustle. It is important, yeah. you know, to 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 succeed, to grow. You experienced it with gymnastics. You've got to work, but you yeah, also I mean, have what, to. Yeah. You've got to recover Sorry. and rest as well, right? You know, you've got to have yeah. a, you've got to have a balance. Yeah, well, I mean, work life balance isn't a thing with entrepreneurs because, I mean, as <laughs> you know, you don't you don't sign off at five o'clock. You don't do a nine to five every single day. Like you're replying to emails at the weekends and evenings. Um, it's it's there's no clear cut off time. So it's, I think it can be quite damaging when you scroll, scroll through social media as an entrepreneur and you see, oh, you need to have a work-life balance, otherwise you're unhealthy. And that can put a lot of pressure on entrepreneurs to try and build that work-life balance, but then they realize that there's not enough time for them to do everything or they're just feeling overwhelmed and stressed out. Um, and so if, but also if you're, if you're creating a business that you have a passion for, that you love, it shouldn't actually feel like work in a way. So for us, we're literally living the movement. We're living healthy entrepreneurship. And this is what we mm -hmm. want other people to be able to do as well. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think work-life balance and like the social media side of it can be really damaging, which is why we're saying have a healthy hustle. Don't hustle and kill yourself, but know your burnout red flags at the same time. Yeah. So, Sometimes, like we've certainly experienced it, we know so many successful entrepreneurs around the world who have experienced it. But having like sprints of work, and then just mm -hmm. like, sometimes you do need to have a sprint of like a month of just nailing it, head down behind the laptop, yeah. work hard, but then know your red flags. Don't burn yourself yeah. out. Yeah, it is. It's, it's one of these these areas that is becoming more apparent becoming a bit more obvious that burnout and stress and people need to be more aware of it but it also at the same time it's still fresh and a lot of people yeah. don't see the red flags they don't even see the amber ones <laughs> you <Yeah>. know they don't, <laughs> they don't they don't see it um and yeah. some of it can be quite obvious you know i know my burnout signs now um and i'll know i know when i've gone too far because i get a visual migraines and they don't happen very 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 often um but i yeah. i notice that i notice the signals in, in build up to that I'm going to ask you a question now that I haven't asked any other um, okay. athletes yet. 
Um, I'm just really interested to know the answer, actually. But if you could go back and talk to 10-year-old Antonia right now, what would you say to her? As, okay, as a 10-year-old me or from me knowing what I know now? now. Yeah, from what you know now, what you know, if you were talking to her, that gymnast and, and everything that you experienced, is there anything that you would go back and say to her? Um, I would say, oh gosh, that's such a good question. I would say, um, keep doing what you're doing. You're on the right path. You're doing the right thing. And you're clearly passionate about what you're doing. And those hard days don't last forever. It's just a hard day. It doesn't define who you are. It doesn't define your relationship with the sport or the relationship with your coach. It's just a hard day and you can overcome it and you are going to overcome it, I think. Yeah. yeah, love that. I think that's the perfect <laughs> way to round it up. Antonia, where can people find you, whether it's business or personal? Where is the best place to get hold of you? So we've got our website, uh, www.thehealthyentrepreneurclub.com. Uh, LinkedIn, Antonia Bates. Um, Instagram, the.healthyentrepreneur. And then my personal Instagram is Antonia underscore Bates. Perfect. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I've loved uh, sitting down and talking to you. I was really kind of excited this one because obviously mm-hmm. I get a snapshot of of what we're going to talk about. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with that. And uh, thank you so much for your time. Um, before everyone goes, as a reminder, I always say there is no cost to listening to this podcast, but there is a fee. If you have taken anything away from Anto- Antonio's story today and if you've enjoyed it or you know somebody else can um, take something away, please share. Please like, let's grow this podcast and start sharing these very, very important topics uh, together. But yeah, um, Antonia, thank you so much for joining me. I Hopefully you enjoyed that. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. No worries. And a reminder to everybody before you go that there is always another game. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.